This evening we're going to be in 2 Samuel 17. And we left off with David, still a fugitive, and Absalom, still burning bridges. And tonight we're going to look at the battle of the counselors between Ahithophel and Hushai, giving competing counsel to Absalom on how to kill King David, which counsel wins and why. And we're also going to try to wrap this up with uh, really charisma or character versus charisma. And there's like a kind of a few different themes going on. This is really the last chapter where uh, David and his son Absalom are going to remain alive. Spoiler alert if you haven't read it. The next chapter, Absalom dies. <laughs> so I hope I didn't ruin anybody's uh, ending there. But, so we're going to talk about that a little bit too. So we're going to jump in with verse 1. It says, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid, and all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. I'm purposely uh, stressing the eyes and the me's here. Uh, then, I, then I will bring back all the people to you. When all return except the man whom you seek, then all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So Ahithophel is at it again. He's giving evil counsel to the young foolish king. Um, and not rightly, the throne was not rightly his. But the plan was to pursue, attack, and kill King David. And his supporters will have no choice but to throw their weight behind Absalom. Remember, this is his father who he's speaking about who for the most part ran the kingdom righteously. Right? So Absalom loves the plan because he's jealous and insecure. He wants to destroy the competition. And jealousy, I've said many times from this pulpit, is a horrible, ugly, vicious sin that leads people to do malicious things. You know, I, Even some of the articles I read with uh, teenagers and sports teams and how the parents get involved in trying to hurt uh, you know, the competing cheerleader or whoever, the sport. It's just amazing. I mean, it just is this, is this insane uh, rage that people get into. And I call it, I've actually dubbed it the Cain syndrome, Cain and Abel, because he was one of the first ones to, actually Satan was one of the first ones, but as in the human race, it was Cain who exhibited those characteristics instead of trying to do better. He was vehemently jealous, viscerally jealous of his brother, and he ends up killing him. So, jealousy is pretty bad. Now, Ahithophel's counsel was tactically sound. Ahithophel started out a pretty good guy, uh, and we're going to talk about finishing the race with David, and then he, of course, changes sides, and he's an evil genius at this point. Uh, and, and I'm going to go into the eyes and the me's and, and contrast it with Hushai's counsel and see how this now appeals more to Absalom. So I also thought of this. Remember Lord of the Rings? And I got this image in my mind when King Theoden is on the throne and the evil Grimma is whispering in his ears and the king is shriveling up and he's old and, and he looks like he's on death's door. And then Gandalf comes in and strikes Grimma and throws him out of the kingdom and the king starts to retain his vitality. Let me just say this. They probably got that. They probably, <laughs> you know, it's quoting scriptures and, and then kind of going into movies. It's, it works sometimes, but they probably got that from scripture, by the way. Uh, but I would just say this as a good application is that we all need to be careful who's influencing us. 
And we should all take a moment to think about who's influencing me, you know? And, and that's important because they may be feeding us some good information that's good for worldly advice, but they could be sucking the spiritual life out of us. Uh, and this is what Ahithophel didn't make matters better by feeding into the king and trying to get him to do this evil deed. Um, you can be successful and worldly, but you can also be destroyed in the end by following the wrong people who are influencing us. In verse 4, it says that this pleased all the elders of Israel. And I would just say to that, really? <laughs> they switch sides so easily. Not, these guys are secular leaders, but they're also spiritual leaders. There's a spiritual element to these leaders, these elders, and how quickly they go to jump on this crazy plan to kill their anointed King David. Um, you know, it's sad. It's sad how they switch horses like that. Verse 5. It says, Then Absalom said, Now call Hushai the archite also. Remember, this is David's friend who pretends that he's loyal to Absalom. And let us hear what he says too. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom spoke to him, saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this matter. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. So Hushai said to Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, you know your father and his men. They are mighty men, and they are enraged in their minds like a, a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is a man of war and will not camp with the people. Surely by now he is hidden in some pit or in some other place. And it will be when some of them are overthrown at the first that whoever hears it will say, There is a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all, all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. Therefore, I counsel that all Israel be fully gathered to you, from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that you go to battle in person. So we will come, up, we will come upon him in some place where he may be found, and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him... And all the men who are with him, there shall not be so much as one, not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he has withdrawn into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city, and we will pull it into the river until there is not one small stone found there. So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord has purposed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. So you've got to break this up a little bit. Um, you know, Absalom gets this counsel from Ahithophel. He thinks it's wonderful. Actually, if he would have followed it, probably would have killed David. And, and I believe God intervened. He did a miracle there. Uh, but he chooses Hushai's over Ahithophel's. Why? Because apparently pride trumps jealousy and insecurity. Remember, Ahithophel presents it as I, I, I'll gather the people, I'll do this, I'll do that. And Hushai is smart. He knows that Absalom has a lot of pride, so he says, well, you know, you should go into battle and you should get the victory and we together will do these things. So it's subtle, but it appeals to uh, Absalom's pride. Now, this is a huge force that Hushai, again, he's deceiving Absalom. He doesn't want David to be killed. He wants to, him to, to just gather this, um, amass this tremendous army. 
But think about how long that would take in those days. They didn't have the equipment and the carriers and the transport that we do today for modern armies. And that's the point. It would take so long to gather this army to go after David that by this time David could escape. And that's exactly Hushai's plan to give David time to escape. He's on this side of the Jordan and he needs to get onto that side of the Jordan and get some lead time out of Absalom's way. Now, a few details. Um, he, you know, he's very clever. He goes, listen, basically, you know, your, your father's no dummy. He's a seasoned warrior. He will probably be in a remote place and, you're got, and his guys are elite warriors, which they were. And any sign of trouble, they'll, they'll ambush our guys. And, and if it gets out that not only do we not get David, but you lose some troops, it's going to cause panic. And Hushai's brilliant in this, in this whole situation. So you don't want to do it that way. It would undermine your leadership. Absalom, big things are planned for you. This is the better way to go. This is an unbeatable strategy. And verse 14, this is a little confusing, but the, the way the Hebrew is written and the way it's translated, it makes sense. It almost seems like it's one thought, but it's not. In verse 14, it says, So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, quote, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, end quote. For the Lord had purposed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, or the counsel that would have been effective, to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. That's the author, I believe. The way the Hebrew is translated, the, where the quotations are put, uh, this is a note from the author saying, of course, in hindsight, he's writing history, saying, you know, this is why it was done, because God confounded Ahithophel's counsel, and of course, he wanted to spare David's life. He was still the anointed. That didn't change. And certainly Absalom was not. So verse 13, again, this is interesting too. Uh, basically, he's Hushai saying to Absalom, you know, even if your father David finds himself in a walled city, all Israel will come together. They'll bring ropes to the city and we'll pull it into the river until there is not one small stone found there. So in other words, if David retreats into a walled city because it takes us time, and he's thought of everything. Uh, so if David retreats because it takes time to muster this big army into this walled city, all Israel's going to gather around you. You're the man. You're the guy. You're the new up-and-coming leader. You're the, you're the guy with the charisma. Everybody's going to come together stone by stone. We'll pull those walls down and we'll get David and oust him from the city. Another appeal to his pride. You know, if you ever did a study on prideful leaders or dictators, uh, they think very highly of themselves. They think everybody wants to help me. And they're actually surprised when some come against them. They can't figure it out. They can't rectify it in their mind because they're so great, of course. So this is fascinating. It's a really good study in, in behavioral, you know, psychology and things to that nature, how these people are thinking and what's going through their minds. But it also appeals to another quality of, of Absalom. It's his narcissism. He's a very narcissistic person. And I'll tell you what, that can be, pride will go before destruction. Certainly, narcissism is a form of pride. That's going to put him, take him down too. And I think it's really sad that in society, there was a really neat article written you know, I use Facebook for the church and to put out things and, and evangelize and stuff, but this one article written was really amazing, and I, I don't want to quote if I'm misquoting the author, but there's a few of them that I think probably did it, and I should have done a little bit better homework. But what he basically said was, you can, you can make any site, 
You can go on the internet, you can go on Facebook and put your pictures up there and, and people like you. And what happens is it starts to build this false impression of yourself. You haven't done anything, you haven't achieved anything, you haven't risen through the ranks, you haven't worked hard. You just put something on there and you put your picture on there and a whole bunch of people like you and it starts to build up this sense of narcissism. You know, it's me, it's Facebook and, and social media. The whole world revolves around me and it really does in that venue. So that's concerning to me, too, where we're going in society. We've gone to the days where we all pull together and work together for the common good. It's every man for himself. We saw that in Israel's history, didn't we? Well, we're seeing that in the United States, too. So it's just a little point there that I wanted to bring out. Verse 14. I guess if, if Absalom wasn't so wicked, you could almost feel sorry for him because the fix is in and he doesn't know it. You know, the whole, the whole tide is turning against him. And God doesn't have his back. And you know, when we go away from being indwelled by the Spirit, when we go away from God's counsel, and we start strictly looking at what the world can do for us, and we look for that success, I have to tell you, I want God at my back all the time. I want him covering my back all the time. Great, great study on... Um, how many of you remember Jim Baker, PTL Ministries, Tammy Faye and, and Jim Baker? You know, it, it's almost like a byword and a joke now, but, you know, he started out as a really rock-solid preacher, preaching the Word of God. And things happened along the way, and it's almost like Samson and Saul, where the, the Spirit of God kind of left him. He started getting involved in money, he started getting involved in, in sex and all that kind of stuff, and the whole kingdom came crumbling down. Very sad. It's very sad. So Absalom is here where he doesn't, he's not indwelled by the Spirit, he's not seeking the, the Lord's counsel, and God doesn't have his back. So he, he's starting to, it's starting to change now for the worse with him. Verse 15. And then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, Thus and so Ahithophel counseled Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have counseled. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. So of course now Hushai has to warn, Hey, listen, he took the bait. This is awesome. Now go tell David and his men, Get out of here. You know, Probably just in case he changes his mind and goes back to Ahithophel's council. He's covering all the bases there, and he's giving David time to prepare. 17. I find this stuff fascinating. You know, it's just, and what's amazing is the, again, I have all these articles in my office about all the archaeological digs and the battles and stuff, and everything the Bible says is true. Archaeology and science and all that stuff catches up to the Bible. I love it. Verse 17. It's like a thriller here, you know, this part. Now, Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed at Enrogel, for they dared not be seen coming into the city. So a maidservant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell King David. So they had this system going. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. So there was the spy network too. But both of them went away quickly and came to a man's house in Baharim who had a well in his court, and they went down into it, into the well. Then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread grain, ground grain on it, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? So the woman said to them, well, They have gone over the water brook. And when they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Now it came to pass, after they had departed, 
that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus has Ahithophel counseled against you. So David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan. By morning light, not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of even some of the Revolutionary War battles with the, you know, the troops and the American troops and the British and you know, different battles where they were able to escape. And even the battle of um, Dunkirk with the English and the Germans and the Germans were moving in in World War II and the, the, the British were done. If they were captured or killed, that would have been end of the British early in the war. And uh, Hitler, for whatever reason, delayed, and uh, everybody, merchant ships, they came and they went to the beach and they picked up all the British troops and took them back to England. So there's a lot of battles like this, and man, history really repeats itself, doesn't it? I'm into those things, you know, I like that stuff. So, I get very excited over this stuff. So an attempt is made to warn David that someone, you know, loyal to Absalom, he's, he's going to spy too, and he's going to go tell Absalom, and, and this thing is going on, and the woman then hides the two men in the well, uh, so Absalom's, you know, you get a little anxiety as you're reading this, and it all turns out well, thank God. But we can also think about Rahab when she hid the two spies on the roof under the flax, remember that? So that was uh, very similar uh, things going on there. So Jonathan and Ahimaaz, now who are they? Well, if you look in the lineage, they're the sons of the priests, Abiathar and Zadok. So the priests had some skin in the game, literally. You know, it's one thing to talk about how much we love God and how much, you know, I would do anything for God and we boast. Peter did that. But it, it's, it's another thing when you're actually putting some skin in the game. It's another thing when you're actually putting the things you love or the people you love in harm's way or on the altar to, to do the right thing. And then God honors that. You know, if we're always trying to, to self-protect and, and build the walls and, and do what's right for us and, and save our skins and our reputation, then sometimes it doesn't always show that we're really trusting God with everything that we have. All right? So there's things that we may have to put on the altar uh, and to, just to see what the Lord's going to do, like Abraham did with his son. So you have this unknown handmaiden who was a heroine, and she's in the scripture, in the sacred scripture. She hides these two men, and then when the troops pass by, they take the, the, you know, the sheet off the well, the mouth of the well, and they, the, the guys come up, and you know, she could have been found out. This was a peril to her own life. So there was a lot of people here that were doing the right thing and putting their lives on the line for it, right? And as Americans, sometimes we're tested with silly things. Who's going to make fun of us? Who's going to mock us? Who's not going to give us a promotion? You know, but in the persecuted church overseas, you know, I, I, I know for a fact that pastors in, in India and pastors in Colombia, and man, I read the voice of the martyrs, and these guys, a lot of widows in those areas, uh, pastors' wives who are widows. There's some real skin in the game. So, moving on, verse 23 says, Now when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, he arose, went home to his house, to his city. He put his household in order and hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. So Ahithophel commits suicide. Well, we could say that maybe he's so prideful that, um, you know, that he is really upset that his counsel wasn't taken. We could also see that maybe like Judas, Judas did the same thing, that he felt really bad about the whole thing and maybe he repented before he dies, I don't know. 
um, and we say, I don't know, because the scripture doesn't say, or quite possibly he realized that Hushai's plan was going to benefit David, and when David comes back, he's in trouble. So he puts his things in order, maybe, I don't know, maybe takes care of his family, pays his bills, and he goes and he hangs himself. Yeah. So I, again, you, you, can th you can see Judas doing the same thing. He sells out the Lord. He sells out the Lord anointed, and he is remorseful. doesn't say he's fully repentant, and uh, he, he kills himself. Could he have completely repented and, and you know, been a, done great things and built a church with the disciples? You know, anybody can repent, but he chose not to, and the Lord knew that from the foundation of the world. So, continuing on. Uh, again, Ahithophel's counsel was brilliant and would have brought certain death to David had God not stepped in. Now, I think we also have to deal with the fact that Hushai uh, lies, and he's deceptive to Absalom. And, you know, I think that even if everybody was completely honest, God still would have saved the day. So, you know, I'm, not gonna, I'm not, definitely not going to criticize what happened here with Hushai, but... I think that if we're completely honest in all of our dealings, God will still come and save the day. Uh, but, you know, it, this is, we've done it in our lives, haven't we? We've fudged things. We've gone into the border where we shouldn't have done because we're now thinking about self-preservation. Hey, Christians, we do it. Um, and sometimes it's just, well, it's always better to just trust the Lord with everything. So as we, we move on, this goes to show you as well that you can be successful in the world. You can have all the right answers. You can have great wisdom, but be fighting against the Lord. I would rather not be so successful in the world and not fight against the Lord. You know, I, I think of, too, some of our board meetings when we uh, make major purchases. Uh, the board members will tell you, you know, we pray about these things sometimes six months, sometimes a year. Because we want to, whatever we're doing for the church and, and the finances, we want to make sure that it's the Lord's will. So there's things that, you know, right? Vinny will tell you, Vinny will tell you, Paul. We table. And we keep tabling. Every six months we table it again. And then eventually a year goes by and we're like, you know what? We really believe that the Lord is showing us this. And one of the things was the generator. And it was a great, if I told you all the things, I wouldn't have time. How everything fell into place for that to work, um, it was really a blessing. You know, we've opened up our church to shelter people and stuff. It was a little bit of an expenditure, but the way everything started falling into place, it was, it was right after about a year of praying about it. Some of the small decisions, you know, <laughs> we don't worry too much about, but certainly the big ones, we, we definitely want to be in prayer for a long time. A few things, too. Uh, a lot in the Bible is said about how we finish in life, how we're remembered. And Ahithophel did a lot of good in his life, and most people remember him as the Judas. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's something about history. It's linear. Time is linear. And it's the last thing that happened before a person died. And, you know, you can spend your whole life building some, a real stellar reputation. And then in a few moments of sin or some colossal blunders, uh, end up dying and not finishing the race well. And this is how we'll be remembered. It's just something to think about. Uh, some people start off with a bang and then they fall away. You know, we're supposed to be, that's why the Bible talks about running the race to win. It doesn't say go three quarters of the, the distance and then just sit out for the rest of the race while everybody crosses. The Bible's clear. We're to run the race to, to win. 
Some of us will take longer than others. Some of us will receive the gold. Some of us will receive the, the bronze in God's eyes. But we're all called to cross that finish line. So it's important to consider. And Ahithophel's life really was, was tragic. You know? And the other issue was he harbored some hatred for David. I mean, we can definitely see that. He was related to Bathsheba. And when this whole thing happened with David and Bathsheba and Uriah, Uriah being killed, you can surmise that he definitely harbored ill feelings, which is understood. But remember, God punished David, and God also forgave David. So who is Ahithophel to still hang on to this stuff? I talked Sunday about worry and the physiological response with the uh, sympathetic nervous system and you know, then the parasympathetic that brings us down to kind of homeostasis. But the same chemicals that eat us up with worry, those same ke chemicals eat us up with anger and hatred and unforgiveness. These are very detrimental chemicals. And again, it's an aberration of the fight-or-flight response. And studies have shown, what do they say is a killer? Stress is a killer. It actually leads to heart disease and other things. So what happens is you, you, keep, you foment these feelings and, you, and these chemicals course through our systems, and those chemicals go through our bloodstream and really touch every organ in our body. Uh, so listen, it's not good spiritually. It's also not good physically. Jesus is, you know, the, the, the scripture is right when it tells us how we should be and how we shouldn't be. So, you know, forgiving and, and not being hateful and angry is good for our spiritual life, but it's also good for our physical life as well. Verse 24, a few verses left. Then David went to Man Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed over the Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. This Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jithra, an Israelite, who had gone into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, the sister of Zeruah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. So the the hunt is on for David. Uh, David gets some lead time, which is good. And uh, there's a little bit of a changing of the guard. Uh, Absalom doesn't trust Joab. He knows Joab has been loyal to David, so he switches him out with Amasa. And all these people are related. You know? So war is bad enough, but there's this civil war that's going on as well. Uncle against nephew and father against son and cousin against cousin. So it's, it's pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. But we're going to see that uh, the changing of the sides, the changing of loyalty is not good for those who have changed their loyalties. God did not unanoint David. People chose different sides, but God didn't. And they paid a price for choosing the wrong sides. I'll tell you this, that uh, how many of you are familiar with the voice of the martyrs pastor, uh, Richard Wombrand? You know, he... Sabina and Richard, they were Jewish and they became believers and he became into the pastorate and uh, you know, they, they ministered in Romania during World War II and then when the communists came in the Eastern Bloc countries and pushed the Nazis out, you know, things were bad and they were just as bad if not worse with the communists and they really watered down the churches and Pastor Wombrand was one of the few that stood up and said, no, we do believe in the resurrection of Christ, we do believe in the second coming and they tortured him brutally. He even testified before Congress when he finally released them. He, he's gone to be with the Lord since. But, you know, I read some of their books. I read The Pastor's Wife from Sabina. I read uh, Richard's periodicals. And there were other pastors who sold him out 
to get in good favor with the communists. They sold Jesus out too because they were willing to water down their preaching so the communists wouldn't get angry. Uh, so they were, and, and again, you look at some of these persecuted nations, it's not just there. Uh, there's everywhere, you know, in, in these persecuted nations that church members are selling their pastors out to the authority just so that they could get a few more days or weeks of breathing room. And it's really sad because a lot of these pastors are being murdered uh, and these churches are just disappearing. That's pretty bad. And we talked about that on Sunday. Verse 27. Now it happened when David had come to Mahanaim, that Shobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the people of Ammon, Mashir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Rogelim, bought beds and basins, earthen vessels and wheat, barley and flour, parched grain and, and beans, lentils and parched seeds, honey and curds, hmm, again, hungry, sheep <laughs> and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with him to eat. For they said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. So David is refreshed. God can do anything, right? When, uh, um, what was the guy's name? The, the great prophet? Elijah. <laughs> you know, I drew, I drew a blank. Uh, God refreshed him and, and you know, and, and he's running and running and running. He doesn't know where he's going and God refreshes him and, and sends him on his way. And, you know, uh, Jesus was refreshed by the angels after the 40 days of, of fasting and praying. Uh, and David here is refreshed by people. So God does different ways to refresh us. Don't put it past God to refresh us when we're going through struggles. You know, I mean, I've heard so many stories of poor people and uh, just getting knocks at the door and bags of groceries. And I mean, these are all true stories. Uh, you know, they don't know. And my one pastor friend, they were really destitute in the beginning. And uh, the, the knock on the door, they open the door, there are three bags of groceries, and they looked out the door, and it was a long hallway, there's nobody there. And they said, nobody could have walked away that fast, we didn't hear footsteps. So, you know, don't put it past God to refresh you uh, in your time of need. Just be, It happened here in the scripture, and sometimes in the, in the 21st century, we think it can't happen to us. But that's not true. God still does miracles. We've got to believe that. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes back to earth, will he find faith? Man, that's a good question. Will he find faith? Will he find faith in Calvary Chapel? Man, I certainly hope so. <laughs> so, the conclusion. I just want to read one Psalm 2, uh, Psalm 33. It says, The Lord brings, I think it's 10 through 11, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart to all generations. Psalm 2 is another one. Pastor Paul's been covering the Psalms of, you know, against the Lord's anointed and, you know, the, everybody sets the counsel against the Lord and the Lord laughs at them in derision. So you, you have this, you know, the world would look at David if this was a movie and, and the world, unspiritual people would say, oh, David was foolish. He, st he should have stood and fight. So there'll be casualties, no big deal. David was a fugitive. David was a failure. You know, what was his problem? Well, David did it to honor the Lord and also to protect the people in Jerusalem, unnecessary uh, casualties. So you have what the way the world looks at things, and then you have the way that God looks at things. And I named this message again because in the next chapter, Absalom dies. Character versus charisma. And whether you look at it in the scripture or you look at it in our society today, there's, there's always this competition. 
And I guess I'm, it's disturbing to me that um, I see it in politics, I see it with ball players, with celebrities, and even in ministries. There's draw towards charisma. I mean, these people can lie to your face, but they say it in such a ni- they lie so nicely that you just want to hug them and, and just give them, you know, give them a kiss, no matter how many times they lie to you. And what, what's going to happen is this is going to set the stage for the Antichrist, who's a real person. It's not an allegory. It's not a fable. He's real. And he's going to come on the scene, and he's going to have more charisma than anyone you've ever met. He's going to be intelligent. He's going to have the wisdom of the ages through Satan empowering him. And I have to tell you, that from what I read in the scripture, a lot of pro- pro- professing Christians, people who call themselves Christians, are going to follow this guy. Why? Because they don't know their Bibles. Because, because the Holy Spirit is a feeling instead of a lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? So it's disturbing to me because I see the trends, but also it makes me happy because I know that the Lord is definitely going to be returning soon. Now I see a lot of famous people that are out there that really don't know anything. They're not even that bright and people are following them and they, de- they deceive them and they continue to follow them. So as we close this morning, that we would stick to the word, right? that we would uh, keep following the Lord's anointed, uh, that if God has called us to step up, that we would, we would be the Lord's anointed and uh, that we would shun the Absalom spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your word.